again. So uh, Parshas Bamidbar, beginning of the uh, fourth book of the Torah. Speaks to He's now going to go ahead and we're going to take another census of Klal Yisrael. So this is going to be really the main focus of the parsha. very often starts out in the beginning, which is why we get stuck in the beginning. But just to give a general overview of the parsha before we get into the, the nitty gritty, is that we're going to have the command, first of all, to c- count Klal Yisrael. So much I want to just add in, but let's pause. Then the parsha goes through the names of the princes of the Bnei Yisrael. Then it goes through um, the, uh, the amount of um, firstborns that we have in each Shevet. It gives us the, the final tally of how many um, uh, members of Klai Yisrael were counted. And that final tally, by the way, excludes the tribe of Levi. It's excluding the tribe of Levi. The tribe of Levi is counted separately. Outside of Levi, all the other tribes are counted from the age of 20, uh, men from the age of 20 through age 60, which was the age of going out to the army. Um, interestingly, from Sheva Levi, they started to be counted from age 30 days. From 30 days years old, they're already Mishmeres HaKodesh. They're called Mishmeres HaKodesh, which oh, maybe we'll have time to focus on how you can have a 30-day-old he called Mishmeres HaKodesh, just because he's born into Sheva Levi. We know he's not doing anything other than uh, right, eating, going to the bathroom, sleeping. and um, So it's interesting that they're, they're already called Mishmer, playing music, right? Mishmer, the, the, the mobile, right? Mishmeres HaKodesh. Um, then the Parsha goes through the way that we encamped and that the Gullim, the various flags, there's a lot of depths. We're not, we will not spend time on that um, but there really is a lot of uh, beautiful uh, Torah to, to get into that on. Um, then we were going to have the, uh, the uh, instruction to Elazar and Isamar, who are the children of Aaron, that they were going to ultimately oversee the Avodas HaKohanim. And then it gets into what the, what the Kohanim do, what the Levim do, uh, that's, uh, that's unique, that's different. Um, then it goes through the tribe of Levi. There were three children. Each child was responsible for a different part of the Mishkan. Uh, some to put up, some to take down, some to schlep. And what each one is exactly going to do, which is important, because otherwise you're going to have a, you know, you're going to have a Shaila, uh, and you could turn to Machlokas. There could be a dispute over, I, you know, it's not fair that you get this part of the job. I get that part of the job, right? It's like you're handing out chores before Shabbos. And everybody wants, you know, why do I need to clean up the back couch? I want to set the Shabbos table, or, you know. So each one had its own, uh, each Shevet, each family within the Shevet also had their own, uh, their own uh, unique, unique uh, calling. And then we get into the ultimate structure of the Mishkans. There's a lot. There's a lot that's covered in, uh, in this week's Parsha. And all that information is introduced and is, is preempted with a census. Now, I want to ask a question that I do not have an answer to. Okay? I'm, I'm, I've seen answers. People have tried to give me answers. It, it's an answer I'm not, I just, I haven't been happy with the answers that I've seen. I've seen some answers, but maybe somebody here could help me. And the question is like this. Let's get into this. Hashem's instructing motion to count, take a census of the Jewish people. On the first day, Rosh Chodesh, 
of the second month of the second year of leaving Egypt. So what that number just did for me is tell me that this is Rosh Chodesh of the 13th month. You got where, how that happened? Because it's the first day of the second month of the second year of leaving Egypt. So I'm in my second year. I'm done a year. We finished 12 months of leaving Egypt. Now we're in the second year. We're now up to the second month. That's month number 13, and it's Rosh Chodesh. We're going to take a census. Okay. It's interesting that we're taking a census. Says Rashi. Um, because of the Jewish people's dearness in front of Hashem, because Hashem loves the Jewish people, Mona Osan, he counts us kol all the time. Thank you so much. Because Hashem loves us, so Hashem counts us kol all the time. And then Rashi says as follows. You know when Hashem counts us? When we left Egypt, Hashem counted us. After the plague by the sin of the golden calf and many, many men died, Hashem counted us. And now when He's going to come and rest His presence upon us by the establishment of the Mishkan, He counts us again. And when, the, when it was going to come down, the Hukamah Mishkan on the first day of Er, Ah, Mananikah, beautiful. Okay, so there's three countings. So first of all, Rashi, within that, those two sentences, contradicted himself. Sentence number one, Rashi says, God counts us all the time. And he says, here's three times that God counted you. Well, that's three times. It's not all the time. Right? So it says, God counts us at all moments. So there's, that's not the, the question that I haven't seen good answers to. I've seen good answers to that question. And there's different ways. Simply, you could say, doesn't literally mean every second. Okay? It doesn't literally mean every second. What it means is, we find this expression often of... Uh, for example, the halacha is if you find money without a sign on it, you're allowed to keep it. Now, the only way you're ever allowed to keep something is if the owner abandons it. This is, I don't want to get it, it'll take us an hour how ownership works in halacha, so we're not going to go there. If an owner abandons it, I could keep it. Okay? How do I know if the owner abandoned it? There's no way to truly know. Unless there's something unique about the item letting me know that there's no way at this point the owner doesn't know. So for exa- one of the examples the Gemara gives is money. The, the phrase the Gemara uses is, Adam asoy A person has a habit to feel for their wallet constantly. It's a habit. We're aware where our purse is. Does that mean every second? No. Within every few minutes, naturally, we're aware. We're aware. If a person walks around with a wallet, a person walks around with a purse, because uh, a person has a habit to feel for it, to make sure. I need my ID. I need, uh, you know, I, I need, there's important uh, cards in there, important documents. So too, kosha kamin, not every moment, but you're constantly aware of it. There's an awareness. So too, so to speak, Hashem is, is aware. Now, obviously, why is that, why are we counting? For Hashem? Are we counting for Hashem? Of course not. Right? Nobody's going to say we're counting for Hashem. God knows exactly how many people there are in Kal Yisrael. You don't need to tell Hashem how many people there were. So that's what Rashi says, Because Hashem loves us, so He wants us to know that we're being counted. But it's not, the very next verse says, Who's counted? Lift up the heads of the entire assembly of Yisrael. We're going to talk about that in a moment. There's a fascinating morale 
of Prague that talks about why humans stand straight up and animals walk on fours. You know, there's some animals, he says, even, there are some, even the ones that walk on two, their faces always face the ground. Their head is always facing the ground. We're the only ones that walk on two feet and we don't naturally face down. We don't naturally face down. It's interesting. That, uh, we're well, so we'll get that. But it's, uh, ooh, you lift up the heads of called Asman Yisrael. According to their families, fathers, homes, what this means is count them, not only how many members there are in Klai Yisrael, but how many members there are in each tribe. That's what it means, their father's home. Um, so that's what it means, their families. is referring to each tribe. I also want to know each tribe, how many people there are. And also their father's homes mean that even though Judaism follows the mom, tribes follow the dad. So if somebody has a father from the tribe of Reuven and a mom from the tribe of Shimon, you're going to be counted towards the tribe of Reuven. The Mispar Shem was called Zohar Legogolosam. You're going to be counted from, the, from age 20 to 60. Okay? You're going to be counted age 20 to 60. So who's counted? Only men age 20 to 60 who are worthy of going out to battle. Okay? I'll take your question in a moment. <laughs> so, Hashem's counting us how many men are going out to battle. That, that's clear in the verse. But why is He counting us? To show us how beloved we are. How does that fit? How does that fit? What about any man under age twenty? Any man older age sixty? And every woman in Claudius Hill? Again, you're not counting for a reason, other than to let people know that Hashem, you're you're a number within a broader picture. Claudius Hill needs you. If our number, which we get to at the end of the parsha, is. 603,550. So if, you're, if my number's not there, the Torah would have listed 603,549. So a number is part of a greater picture, and every number is included, but you're part of a greater whole. Just to have one number itself doesn't fulfill its ultimate purpose. You put, so it's everything together. So the question that I'm looking for a good answer, that, that a good answer, I'm sure there are good answers, but one that I kind of connect with is, Again, if you're counting because for whatever reason there's supposed to be a counting and that's the mitzvah to do and uh, say, got it. But Rashi specifically says the counting here is strictly to show love. If it's strictly to show love, I am bothered why there's 40 years of manhood that's counted and everybody else is not counted. That's my question. Now, what's your question? I'll tell you what we know is that we don't know. I, That's what we know. Exactly. But I think we're supposed to be we're supposed to be reminded of the events of when we were counted. And the lesson is what happened when we left this riot. Excellent. What happened what happened at, at the scene of the golden calf and what happened at the tabernacle that we're supposed to remember that love. We're supposed to, and their unity. Okay, so, so, so you tell me. You tell me. What happened? I mean, every day we're supposed to say, we remember... You remember Yitzhak Mitzrayim. Every, every day yeah. we're supposed to be reminded of the sin of the golden calf. I don't know the tabernacle, but I would think that that's when the Shekhinah came down and yeah. Hashem is making a home. He used to make a home with us. Before the sin, mm-hmm. there would have been no need for a tabernacle. But the fact that there is, he's 
he's making his presence real for us. Yeah. And that shows that shows love too. He didn't have to do all those things. So you're saying that shows. He didn't have to take us out. He didn't have to forgive us, and he did not have to come and make his presence. Okay. And therefore, that itself shows love. Therefore. Right. Therefore. Does is that does that answer this idea? Therefore, we we are reminded what treasures we are, and that and that we. So why do we, we need accounting? Counted because our mission is important and, and, and we're valuable. So why only the men, though? Yeah, do, why? Why, why do the men of these 40 years need that message? I thought it was the fighting. Those are the ones, the warriors. Yeah, it is. But why? But why are they the ones counted? Again, that's the Pusuk says it's the warriors, the soldiers. Right. The question is, though, we don't need to show the soldiers how beloved they are. We're showing Klal Yisrael. Hashem, at this point, when he returns to Shechina, that's going to be there for everybody is showing how much he loves Kal Yisrael. I think we're onto something here. I'm just trying to, I'm trying to see how, how you're going to you, uh, bring it. Or you, get, you understand the little bit of a gap here? Right. You're right. You have to, we, we're gonna, the way to get to a good answer is by looking at those three times, which I think also gives more depth as to what Rashi means when he says, Hashem counts us at all times. And then he lists these three, and he wants us to pinpoint it. So, but what is it about these three? I, I, Maybe children and women are are and older more, men and older are more connected. No. I don't know. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't so, so I'll tell you where I'll tell you where where we're on the right path. I think this is this might be part of an answer, and. I called my brother earlier today, my brother Aaron, to, to see if he's... He's like, Aaron, here... And I, I tried doing something similar to, what, to, to where you're going. And I, I started out, I said, Aaron, let's start with a, with a premise that needs to be a truth, because it says it in the verse. And that is, in the desert, we know that all the men that left Egypt... I want to put... We all know this. I mean, many of us know this, but... We don't realize this. Did the Jewish people leave Egypt and enter Israel? Whoever left Egypt didn't make it into Israel. The men between the age of 20 and 60. The women all went in. The women did not die out in the desert. Right? They didn't, they didn't die in the desert. This is why what the story of Benos Tzlafchad the daughters of Tzlavcha, there were five sisters, and they, they wanted, their father had passed away, and they said, he has no, there's no boys. So we, we inherit the land. Turns out they were right. One second, there's no boys. How are they going in? They're living in the desert. The women made it, the women all made it in. Okay? Women all made it. In Mitzrayim, now, there's gaps in what I'm saying. I don't have, but this is what I'm, I'm sharing with what I shared with my brother, and he's like, eh, somehow, some way, like, we, we need to come up with something better. But if you do look at these three times, Yitzias Mitzrayim, it says, In the merit of righteous women, we left Egypt. That's what it says. We, we had the redemption. Why? How, how did the women play a role? So famously, the Chazal teach us, learned out from the verses, that uh, the men had given up on their morale. And the women were the ones who kept their nobility, their dignity, and they, uh, they kept the morale of Klai so that we never reached the 50th level of impurity, 
Impurity means lack of amuna in Hakadosh Baruch Hu, and we were able to make it out. All right, and Hashem counts us as we're leaving Egypt. The issue, technically, at that moment, I'm totally like not. Don't take this like this is direct. Okay, this I'm just sharing thoughts here. Yes. Yeah, I'm sharing thoughts. So maybe Yitzias Mitzrayim was something at that time. Hashem had to show the men that you're beloved. The men were the ones who were down. The women didn't need to be shown. What happened by the sin of the golden calf? The women did not take part in this. The men took part in it. The men had a plague. Thousands of men died. The women were not involved. Absolutely not. We're not we're, we have nothing to do with this. And Hashem counts us to show us our love, to show us how much He loves us. And doesn't count. Under age 20, over age 60, and the women, why? Maybe it wasn't necessary. There was never an impact on the relationship that, again, God doesn't need to know our numbers. Rashi is specifically saying, because he loves us, he wants to count, tell us that we're counted. It's those who are having problems that need to know that Hashem's still counting you. And then by the bringing of the Mishkan, why, why was the Mishkan built? So this is very interesting. Hashem had removed His divine presence after we sinned. Moshe Davin, all of a sudden, then the Mishkan came back. When Hashem built the Mishkan, what happened was um, the Kedusha that existed all over the place around all the camps of Klal Yisrael were now going to be centered in one place of holiness that, that's going to remain untainted. Okay? There were different viewpoints at the time how to handle this. Is this a good thing or not a good thing? This is so, it's incredible how things don't change. Things don't change. It's still the same. Meaning, now God's presence is going to reside in a, in a specific place and it's never going to come back the way it was. It's not going to be the way it was. It's going to be different. And there were those, who the men, there was a, a number of men who viewed this as actually like, uh, like there's mourning over here. Like, oh, there's a Mishka now. Hashem's only going to bring His presence back in that place. It used to be the Shekinah was everywhere in our camp. And now, you know, it's, it's, it's not like it was. The world's not like it was. They don't make it like it used to. Right? They don't make it like they used to. And then, there were others that said, okay, we lost the Shekinah. This is, the Rebanjah knows that the way that it's going to be, it's going to work. For the Shekhinah to come back in our camp is to have one location that's not out in the open. It's not open for the public. You have to act, actively go and be interested in meeting the divine presence. And this is because of uh, our sin. This is how it's going to have to be. So when the Mishkan came back, there were those that needed chizik. Again, some people didn't need chizik because they never, in their lives, they never concerned them. They weren't involved in the ego. They weren't involved in all the problems that were leading up to everything else. There's gaps. You say I'm, I'm kind of coding it over a little bit because you can get specific and ask good questions on what I'm saying. But where my mind is is just thinking about this, and I I don't know. So I'm looking for a good answer. Is is maybe if the whole purpose is to count, to show love. Well, why Hashem needs to show love when there. It's kind of like a makeup for something. If there's no need to make up for something. Maybe those people just don't need to be included in the counting. 
Now, in order to say this, you also have to say that men under age 20 and men old, men under age 20 makes sense, by the way, because we're not held accountable for sins under age 20. Okay, it's fascinating. You think they just, you know, they're starting to figure out teenagers now. Your bunch of them says teenagers have seven years until you're taken care of, you know. 13 through 19, you're done. You hit eight, you're in your 20th year, now now we expect maturity. But uh, we're, we're held accountable down here on, on earth. If a person's a murderer, God forbid, in their teenage years, they will be held accountable in the Besnet. We're not held accountable in heaven for under age 20. So under age 20, I can understand why there also wasn't an interference between their relationship and HaKadosh Baruch Hu to need to be counted. I understand the women also. The women, uh, according to this approach, don't just simply don't need to be counted because they weren't involved in any of the lack of Shekhinah or lack of relationship, which that's what you were touching on before, right? There was no lack of relationship as far as the women, which is, the, which is proved by how we started out, that the women actually made it all the way into Eretz Yisrael. They, they, they left Mitzrayim and made it into Eretz Yisrael. Um, but the, the uh, over age 60, I don't have, I don't have a, doesn't really fit well into this. Over age 60, the, there's still uh, gaps in, in this approach. And again, I didn't hear this from my rabbin, but I'm looking for, you know, that's, it's just interesting. I, I think there's a reason, there's always a reason why Rashi feels a need to tell us why we're counted. Rashi wouldn't just say it for no reason. I think perhaps Rashi's a little bothered by what we're, uh, by we're describing as well, and we just need a little more, uh, get a little more in depth with him. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And it happened. But it's interesting, we weren't counted when we received the Torah. Right, right. So that shows you that we were at a high level, we were at a we didn't need... Right, what you're pointing out is that, what, you're, what Linda's pointing out is that, from the fact that there's not a counting at, when we stood at Sinai, is a proof that God's not counting us at every important moment. Right. There's a reason why Hashem's, just because it's an important moment, does it? When it's a poor moment and there's only goodness happening and kedusha happening, there's no need to bring a cast. Maybe that that falls into line with this approach. Okay, if anybody else has thoughts uh, or you come across something, uh, please uh, please let me know. Okay, so here we go. So it says, um, so we're gonna. It says an interesting expression again when it says referring to the census of bnei yisrael. It doesn't say count them. The proper word for counting in Hebrew is either bimispar according to their counting, or sometimes you could use the word minyan. Minyan also is a number, is a counting. It doesn't say, doesn't tell them to count. It says se'u, to lift up. Lift up, uh, lift up their heads. So Rashi picks up on this uh, right away. Baruch Hashem for Rashi. And, uh, and Rashi says that uh, se'u is, is letting us know what happens when you count. When somebody's counted, so they realize that they're, they're lifted up, they're part of a... Um, they're part of a uh, uh, greater whole. Of course. Seriously? Who would have thunk, huh? I never noticed. <laughs> I never noticed. Yeah, that's but absolutely. I mean, but that, that's the beauty. Like that, Hashem wants it like that. That's how Hashem wants it. It's necessary. It's very, very necessary. Everything that Hashem does is uh, it's necessary. It's, yeah. You can't have one... Uh, you, you can't have 
I mean, I, what I'm talking about on a deep level, you can't have a manly approach without a feminine approach. You can't have a feminine approach without without a, a male approach. And if you want to, if you want to, let's tangent for a minute. In a minute, we're all aware of what's going on with uh, transgender and all these all these things that are happening. You should know. I mean, let me tell you something, and I don't know if we've ever mentioned this before. If if you learn Tyra, you the Chazal are full of this. This is not a chiddush. It's not a chiddush. It's not a novel idea. It's a fact. It's a fact that every woman has a has a little bit of manhood inside of her, and every man has a little bit of femininity inside. There is the the conversation is the wrong conversation that's being had. We're, we're, it's not like oh the whole thing is uh you know the whole no and and sometimes it plays out in different people in different ways right you could have women that are more manly as they call it and you could have men that are more of a feminine side okay now when the conversation goes off the rails is does that make you a woman does it make you a man like in halacha for example in halacha men are obligated in all the mitzvos that are time bound. A woman is not obligated in a mitzvah set of time now. So if you, if a person, if you, let's say you have a woman who feels more manly, does that make her obligated to do those mitzvahs? No. And it doesn't make a difference how that person wants to, the word that they use now is identify, and it's not going to matter. You're still not obligated in those mitzvahs. You still don't have to do them because you, you're, uh, because the person's in a cave. They're in the, the body of a woman. And a body of the woman, the, the physical reality is always going to override the feelings of something. But here, but what I want to point out with this is there's, there's something to this, is that we, the Torah and Chazal always knew and we agree that you can have a person in a wom- who, who's, who's a woman, I'm not even talking about a woman's body because that's the wrong way to put it, a person who's a woman that can have characteristics of a man. Yeah, that's for sure. And you can have men, uh, somebody, somebody who's a man, and he's got some feminine characteristics. Yeah, that's not, it's not, you know, it's not, but that's where it stops. That's it. And you're in these mitzvahs, you're in that mitzvahs. And, and the Rabbanish Shalom, again, what the Rabbanish Shalom does, getting back to, to this part of the conversation, is that there's men, there's women, and he, he made the world with two genders on purpose. There's a reason. And each, and each one is going to together with those two views that bring shlemus, that brings uh, that brings completion. Every creation was made male and female, except for humanity. You know, every creation says zacharu nekeva. Humans, God did not make male and female. God made one entity and then split them. God made one entity and divided everything else. God made a. Male, female, male, female, male, female, humans, boom. One entity divides us. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that fascinating? Because that's what shlebos do. That's a proof. Like, if you only have one mahalach without the other, it's not a, it's not completion. Yeah? You said, you said that the physical reality overrides the identity. Yeah. But what happens when, today when people change their physical reality? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it goes by birth. It goes by birth. You can't. Uh... It's kind of like you're born Jewish. You're Jewish, whether you like it or not. No, no. It could be, listen, it could be a hard thing. But then it gets really confusing with going to the universe 
It's not confusing. It goes by birth. Okay, but they walk, they walk into a shul and they look like a man. So then, so then, uh, say, so I'll tell you, I'll tell you halachic, practically what we, what we do here in our shul, okay? And you'll find, you should know, this is, uh, even though now it's become societal, things like this have gone on for, uh, for time, and it's not like in halacha we're starting from scratch and we don't have, we don't have an approach. Um, the, there's more important halakhic ramifications to things like this, such as uh, marriage relationships. Um, you get, like for example, one of the things the Torah says is a, a cross shifcha, a person who has an, uh, a man who has an issue with his genitals, or if uh, who purposely makes or is sterile in, in various ways, is not allowed to marry a regular Jewish woman. So if you have somebody who who uh, undergoes th- this type and I'm familiar with a few cases of people who have undergone a gender change based upon society, and then uh, they were in college. The specific one that I'm that I have in mind over here is a, is a fellow who was 18 years old and was um, supported through a transition. Uh, a Jew, a Jewish person who suffered from depression, and they felt this would this would help him, um, and. Uh, uh, somehow made his way to a Kirov program um, and uh, a Kirov program and through that process ended up um, going back to feeling like a man and a lot of it had to do with uh, emotional and, and mental uh, reasons for the change and um, nobody had a, any issue with, with it at all but when it came to Shaduchim for him, he was very, very limited. And people, you know, it's really nobody's business um, as to what his issue was, but people were very nice guy, wonderful person, got the help he needed. And people were, you know, intri- you know speaking shaduchim for that. And halachically, he wasn't allowed to date um, a, you know, a, a regular situation, whatever that, whatever that is. So there, there's a lot of other halachic ramifications. For us here, we had situations people have asked and things of that sort. Um, you come on the, the people are welcome to come as long as they are dressed like the gender they're born with and they sit on the side of the mechitza that they're born with. That's fine. That, that, that's, that's the mahalach. Um, if a person doesn't want to do that, so then, you know, it's like any, any other place. You're not, you know, there's there, this, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll get to your question in a moment. I'll, I'll, I'll call in next. Um, I, I'm going to, I'm going to let this transition. This is a very important idea, and this connects very much to Shavuot. So let's let's uh, you know um, share this this important detail, and I'm going to introduce the the proper approach to this. I'll, I'll tell you first where where we're going to go with this, and that is before a person even starts with halacha, you need derech You need derech eretz. Derech means it says we say in in the morning prayers. La'olam yehei adam yarei shemayim. Which if you look in a sitter, we'll translate, La'olam always yehei adam, a person should be God-fearing. The sages teach us to look at this out of context as well. La'olam yehei adam. First be a human. And then you can be a yarei shemayim. God doesn't need unhealthy people who don't have respect that then go ahead and keep mitzvahs. 
You need to be an Adam. You got to be a mensch. You need to be a person. And once you got that stuff in order, then you can be Yari Shemayim. Hashem, it's very hard to be in a relationship with somebody who they, who's uh, misguiding themselves and is, is not normal within the world. So the way this, this transitions is that the, uh, the Shabbos before Shavuos, which is the Shabbos, Be'ez Hashem. Um, so the Kotzke Rebbe, Rabbi Nachman Mendel of Kotzk, he walked into his Beish Medrash and he said, we know the Shabbos before Pesach is called Shabbos Haggadah. The Shabbos before Yom Kippur is called Shabbos Shuva. What is the Shabbos before Shavuos called? And nobody, none of the Talmudim knew what he wanted. <laughs> they never heard that there's a special name. And the Kotzke Rebbe says, the Shabbos before Shavuos is called Shabbos Derech Eretz. Because Derech Eretz Kodma La Torah. So this Shabbos, this week, we're going to be receiving the Torah. And you do Tshuva before Yom Kippur. Shabbos Hagadol is when you go through all the halachas before Purim. And this week, before Shavuos, we go through Derech Eretz. Because, because we know Derech Eretz Kodma La Torah, the Briskarov, you know, he was the one who explains that and then be Yari Shemayim, he would say, HaKadosh Baruch Hu did not give the Torah to animals. HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave the Torah to humans, and um, we need to prepare ourselves. And the way that we prepare ourselves for Kabbal Satira is, um, is by uh, working on our, is by working on our uh, Derech Eretz. Now you have to understand what Derech Eretz is. We, we, I need to understand what Derech Eretz is. This, the, some of it is objective, and some of it is subjective to society. There's no, there's no question. And this is where it could get a little tricky now. But if you translate Derech Eretz, literally it means the way of the land. It means the way of the land. Which means the, the way that, that uh, things, things are done. We translate Derech Eretz as like uh, good manners, right? You, don't, you have to have Derech Eretz. Derech Eretz doesn't mean manners. Derech Eretz means the normal way to do something. And I'll, I'll prove it to you. The Gemara in Mesechus Bey on Daf Mem says... That it's a halacha, get ready for this. When they shecht an animal, you slaughter an animal, any animal, for food, whatever, get ready for this. Ein mashkin v'shaychatin es ha-medbariyais. Avo mashkin v'shaychatin es ha-baisus. It says when you, when you uh, slaughter domesticated kosher animals, first you're mashkin, you water the animals, and then you slaughter them. You give them water to drink, and then you slaughter so the Gemara, the Gemara, the Gemara asks, Why do you got to say you, you water it? You, gotta, you, you give an animal to water? Why is it necessary? So the, uh, so the Gemara answers that the Mishra is giving us good advice. Good advice, good advice. Yeah, to, to water an animal. Says Rashi, what's good advice? Derech Eretz. Now Rashi's not saying it's Derech Eretz to give good advice. What Rashi's saying is, it's Derech Eretz to water an animal before slaughtering it. Why? So Rashi explains to us. He says, anybody who's not familiar with, with how an animal works after slaughter, it works like this. If, you, if an animal drinks an, a lot of water before it's slaughtered, it's much easier to skin. So the process of removing the skin, that's the normal thing to do. So the Mishnah says, eh, mashkin. It's a halacha now. That's what you're supposed to do. It's a halacha. It's a mitzvah to do it. Why? So that's what I see Derek Harris. Derek Harris means that's what you're supposed to do. So that's what you're supposed to do. Right? Derek Harris doesn't mean good manners. It means that's what you're supposed to do. That's what you're supposed to do. It makes it easier. So that's normal. That's, that's, what's, uh, that's what's expected. So what the Kutzke Rebbe was sharing is that, is that you know, the Shabbos, the Shabbos before Shavuos is 
striving to understand like what's considered what we're supposed to do. What's considered, uh, call it the norm or uh, what's normal according to the Rambam is the ways of Hashem. That's what the Rambam says. The Rambam says, you know, we, we speak about this all the time, none of us are centered. We think we're centered. Every person. Every person thinks they're centered. We all this, we discuss this all the time. Anybody to our left is modern, to our right is, is a fanatic. And we've got it down. You think that, I think that, we all think that. The Rambam says, I'm going to tell you something. Says the Rambam, when I tell you not to do extremes, people love quoting this Rambam. Every Jew who's ever heard of a Rambam, it's this one. Don't be an extremist. Okay, so what does it mean? Center road. Who's the center road? Me. Right? Says the Rambam, no, it's not subjective. I'm sorry. Says the Rambam, center road is God. That's what the Rambam says. And he gives examples. He says, like, this Baruch Hu is incredibly patient. Yet, there's consequences. He doesn't say, do whatever you want. That's how we're supposed to. That's what, that's, that's what patience is. That's what mercy. You look, you look at God's examples in the, that we find in the Torah of how Hashem shows compassion vis-a-vis His crackdown. And that's, that's the middle of the road. And if I'm too hot for this, that means I'm too much this way. If I'm too chilled about things like that, that means I'm too much that way. That's not middle of the road. I'm not middle of the road. The middle of the road is, is that. And that's the Darach Eretz. That, uh, that's the Darach Eretz that the uh, Katzke Rebbe was, um, was referring to. So I'm trying to remember. The, that was the introduction to the answer. Now I forgot the question. Um, I'm just talking about whether physically, you know, what determines if they, they change their physical. Oh, body. very good. So, so, so Eretz, yeah? So this is what I want. This is what, what I, want. I want to choose with that idea. And that's like this. Hashem wants us, Hashem says, first be, first be a mensch, and then you can get involved in there, okay? Non-Jewish people that go to the Kotel, men, what do they do when they walk to the Kotel? They put on a cardboard skullcap. That's what they do. Why, you're not Jewish, you don't need to wear a skullcap? It's their hearts. Uh, that's what people do. They, they cover their heads when they walk up to the kotel. Okay? You could have women that put doilies on their head. And it's that. Okay. Is it a covering? It's not a covering. Whatever it is. You know what? It's Tarecheres. They're trying. At least they're trying. They're, they're, whatever people are doing, they're trying to show that I'm interested in being part of whatever's happening here. You have people, though, that... This is like... It's like a, it's like a basic... Human, it's like a humanity thing. It's a humanity thing. When you're in a group of people who follow an approach with something, specifically, let's say your example was you have a Torah shul and I want to do something different, there's a derech eretz that you could expect of people, which is fine. If you have your thing, that's your thing. But if you're coming into our shul, you stop. You stop. And I know it's it's not the uh, uh, it's not uh, people will say it's not nice for me to say that it's not even how, how can I be, uh, I'm not judging it it's not a matter of judgment it's a matter of I need to be a, a human and you need to be a human when a person goes to a school when a person teenagers are very right very, I talk to uh, I say all the time now I got adolescents at home 
And when I talk to people who are uh, teenagers that are not in my home, I tell them, listen, I don't even want to talk about your yarmulke. I don't want to talk about your Yiddishkeit. I want to talk about your menschlichkeit. I want to talk about your menschlichkeit. Are you a mensch? But when you talk to your parent like this, when you talk to your sibling like this, when you walk her into a show like that, is that menschlichkeit? Is that a nice thing to do? That's the conversation before anything. I'm not concerned about, about Yiddishkeit until we have this conversation because otherwise it's not a healthy Yiddishkeit. There, there are people who are healthy and they're willing to just be healthy within a setting and then we can talk about everything else. But first, first have their heretz. First, like, be a human. Like, be, be amongst the... Be among, you know, in a very shallow way. It's like going... It's like going to a, a Cardinals game on purpose wearing all Yankees gear just, just, to, just to rile up the crowd. What do you mean? I have rights to be a Yankee fan. I know you have rights to be a Yankee fan, but like, you know what I mean? Like, you, don't, you know you're doing it to rile up the crowd. That's why you're doing it. All right, no, so fine. That you, you, want to, you want to knock yourself out in a stadium beseder. But I want to go into the psyche of that. You understand the mentality of it? You know what you're doing here. It's on purpose. It's on purpose. And, okay, you want to go to a game? I'm not saying it's like... But, like, to walk into a shul like that, it's on purpose. You know what you're getting into. You know what it is. It's a lack, it's a lack of menschlichkeit. And we could, humans, and we as humans can demand that of each other. We could demand menschlichkeit. More than uh, everything else. Okay. So, okay, sorry. Yeah, apologize. Go. So, you're talking about uh, Zafar Yeah. I, not that I know of. Because I just heard, I had a conversation yeah. with somebody on Monday, and he said he's wrong, and said something about it, and the Shaman that came Interesting. There's, there's two specific types of neshamas that I've heard, and they're actually both in the keva. There's, when you, in Hasidus, and there's, a, there's a beautiful sefer I shared with a, with a few people. Um, there's a, it's called the neshama of, of uh, Rachel and the neshama of Leah. There's two, two primary types of neshamas in every Jew, male and female. One, uh, one's a neshama, which is called a Leah Dikin neshama, and one's a Rachel Dikin neshama. One is a lot softer, more sensitive, and more aware, and the other one is more active. One's more about um, feelings and emotion, the other one's more about activity, um, and there's, there's different, those are the two primary, I have, I actually, uh, the person returned it, I have, there's an English translation of it from Avichamaya Morgenstern, it's fascinating, it, 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 uh, people who learn it, I think, for me personally, gave me a lot of awareness of why I do what I do, um, and allows us to tap into the style of who we are so we know what we could work on. Like, I, you know, if I feel I'm more of a Rachel Dick and Neshama, a Neshama of Rachel, because I'll, I'll tell you how it's possible. We'll get a little deep over here. This might take us to the end, but um, every Jew come, comes from, even those who join afterwards, we join into the mishpacha of Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. Okay? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Yaakov's wives were Rachel and Leah, and even though they were also Bila and Zopah, Hashem purposely made Bila and Zopah secondary wives and subordinates, if that's the right word, to Rachel and Leah. They kind of like 
were offshoots of those two. But the, all Shvatim ultimately boil back down to those two mothers. It, it all, even those who were born from Bil and Zopa, it wasn't random that Bil and Zopa were connected to Rachel and Leah. They also, uh, <coughs> even their Shvatim, work, work back up. So that means if there are mothers, we all come, we all stem from Rachel and Leah, and we have to understand their neshamas. You look inside, you know, their characteristics in the Torah, two very different, beautiful, beautiful, but Rachel and Leah for sure were two very unique, different, different people. And uh, therefore, our, the, the neshama of every Jew is going to, uh, its reality is either going to uh, be a Rachel Dik Neshama or a Leah Dik Neshama. And when I know that I have a strength, let's say, of a Rachel Dik Neshama, it's a long safer to go into, um, you, could be, you could learn to be aware and say, oh, so how can I now look at Leah's Neshama as well? So you, you just got me onto this because I've heard of two types of Neshamas, they're actually both feminine. Um, but as far as this idea of like a Zohar Neshama, I, I haven't heard that expression. I could certainly hear, no, if, if you think about it, it's logical. The same way there could be a Rachel Neshama and a Leia Neshama, you could have a Neshama that is more of a, see, Zohar, Zohar is the, the, the way that both physically, emotionally, spiritually, a Zohar Deke Neshama is there to be the giver, and an Akeva Deke Neshama is to be a recipient. You can't be a giver without a recipient, and you can't be a recipient if there's nothing to give. And that's what, that's what goes back to Hashem didn't make a Zachar and a Keva, Hashem made us one. So even if you say there's a Zachar Neshama and a Keva Neshama, it's really the same Neshama, but each one's, uh, each one's stronger in its own way. You know what I'm saying? But it's, it's still one complete, one complete part. So it doesn't... It, it's possible people. It's possible to label it that way and to and to take that viewpoint. That's fine. It shouldn't bother. Uh, it shouldn't bother any of us. Because again, what our neshama is, is boiling back to, uh, and stemming back to uh, to that idea. Okay, we're over time as usual. We will hold it here. Have a wonderful, wonderful shop.